What is going on, everybody? It is Jason Jaybird Goldstein here for another episode of the Bird's Eye View. We have <clears throat> the NFC and AFC West football today as we wrap up NFL preview week going team by team. But we still have a little time before the season. It officially kicks off in one week, baby. In a, in a week's time, the NFL is back in our lives. It's a better time for everybody's lives. The NFL is back. College football is back. My Ohio State Buckeyes return tonight. I cannot wait to watch them play. Might have an episode out recapping the game tomorrow. Probably won't be recording it tonight because I'll probably be too busy drinking and partying. But, oh man, I am just... I'm so excited. College football is back. The Buckeyes are back tonight. The NFL is back next week. And before I get to the NFC West, Garrett Cole was just fantastic last night. So, you know, I talked on the other show, on yesterday's show, about the Yankees lost to the Angels in Game 1. They lost again in Game 2. Uh... Just le- leaving the pitcher in too long. J-Mo just didn't have it. Looked great for most of the game, but then just lost it. Uh, should not have been allowed to face Goss. I, I get what Boone was doing there, put- leaving him in the face Gosselin. The ready-on-ready matchup after the intentional walk to Shohei Otani. But at that point, you know, I- J-Mo, the third time through the lineup, has just never been great. I think we should have went with a reliever there. But it is what it is because last night, <coughs> team on a four-game losing streak, right after the 13-game winning streak, people saying, Come on, come on, Yanks. What's going on? And then we have a weird lineup. Like, we already don't have Gary, which is fine. You know, Higgy catches him. Gio got a bit hurt on th- on the game yesterday, on uh, Wednesday's game, or Tuesday's game. So he set out, although he's expected to be back Friday or Saturday. So no big deal. Glaber's still out. And we sit Giancarlo Stanton. Look, I mean, Stanton's DH the last three games. So he hasn't had, like, the long outfield work. And then... We have an off day tomorrow, so I think he should have been in the lineup today, especially with the team on a four-game skid, but it didn't end up mattering. Judge can, you know, carried over his hot August into the first game of September. He hit an absolute moonshot, which eventually put the te- which gave the team an extra insurance run, and just, wow, what a performance from Garrett Cole. After that sixth inning, I thought he was done. He was over 100 pitches, but he came back after that seventh, and that was one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen him. 15 Ks. One run, four hits, seven innings. I mean, he was locked in. Garrett Cole is your Cy Young. There, there's no doubt about it. If you don't think he's won the Cy Young, then it's just because you hate the Yankees and you're feeling biased. There's been no one else. Yeah, Rodon, maybe, but he hasn't pitched enough innings. Lynn, but he now he's hurt. Uh, it, it's Garrett Cole's award to lose, barring a September collapse. I think he ends up winning the Cy Young. And, yeah, it, it was awesome. I mean, the pitches. He, he made Shohei Otani look lost to the plate. I mean, Shohei Otani's been... One of the best hitters in baseball this year. And he looked absolutely lost to the plate whenever Garrett Cole was pitching to him. It was awesome. He had a 92-mile-per-hour changeup, for Christ's sake. It's just, it's absurd. Now, off day, Orioles at home. Let's sweep them. I mean, you, you know one of the reasons why we weren't able to catch the Rays, the Rays had 10 games against the Orioles and went 10-0. We can't be, you know, we're, we're, we play the Orioles now 13 times this year. We're 8-5 and five against them. This is a lot like that 2018 season where they struggled against the Orioles. You can't be doing that bullshit against that shitty team. Take care of business. Sweep them. Odds are we're not catching the Rays now at this point. But if we want to, it all starts with sweeping the Baltimore Orioles. And, yeah, that has to happen before the big Toronto series. Uh, yeah, that's really it. I just wanted to touch on that with the Yankees. Now let's get into NFC West football. We're going to start off with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, 
fresh off their Super Bowl appearance in 2019. They had high expectations coming into last year, but uh, they they suffered a rash of injuries. Jimmy G was hurt. Raheem Mostert got hurt. Greg Kittle got hurt. Uh, George, Greg Kittle. I, P- PMT actually gets me confused. Uh, it's no, it's no, it's George Kittle. Yeah, it's George Kittle, and I called him Greg Kittle. Oh, my God. P- PMT actually actually got me with that. Wow, that's funny. Right, I'm gonna go on the roster to confirm it's Greg Kittle. I'm... No, it's jo- it's George Kittle. It's George Kittle. PMT says Greg Kittle. I'm pretty sure I said Greg by accident, but George, regardless, George Kittle, he's back. I mean, wow, well, I literally had George Kittle typed out on my notes. I just wasn't reading off them. Uh, the defense was decimated in injury, so now they're healthy, and you know they're ready to prove that last year was just a fluke. That last year's six and ten season was just a fluke, uh, especially with all the injuries they had. But the Niners, you know, Jimmy G was pretty good in 2019, although many believed he cost him that Super Bowl win. Uh, and with his injury history and concerns, the Niners decided they were going to trade up to three and take a quarterback. They ended up taking Mac Jones. Or excuse me, they ended up taking Trey Lance. But everybody was expecting them to take Mac Jones. All the pre-draft process, all the hype was that Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers are in love with Mac Jones at a quarter, as a quarterback, and he was going to be their guy from the get-go. Uh, so everybody was pretty shocked when they end up drafting Trey Lance with the third overall pick. And look, with Trey Lance, he's gonna be that guy. He's kind of expected to like sit a season. Is gonna sit for the season in a similar in a similar situation to what Alex and then Patrick Mahomes did in 2017. I can see Jimmy G having somewhat of a resurgent like season, similar to what Alex Smith did in 17. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G is not a bad quarterback. I'm not sure if he's, you know, the over-the-top guy, but he's been a solid quarterback when he's been healthy in his career. I mean, that's the big thing. If healthy, he still led the team to the Super Bowl in the, in 2019, so he still is a good quarterback, uh, and I'm sure he's fired up. His team just drafted a quarterback. People have been questioning if he is a franchise guy or not, and he played with Tom Brady. Like, I'm sure he has some of that fire, that added motivation that Tom Brady has had for a number of years. So, yeah, I'm excited to see what Jimmy G does this year. I think he can have a pretty big year for the Niners. I mean, look, this is his last year regardless. And for him, all he wants to do is make sure he can increase either his trade value or his value that he can get if the 49ers cut him and he signs with a team. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Jimmy G does this year. Uh, you know, can he find that competitive edge? Like, Tom Brady, we know, is a fucking competitor. Uh, Jimmy G learned from Tom Brady. Did he learn that competitive edge, that I'm going to kick your ass type spirit, prove the doubters wrong? Uh, that's what he needs. He, he's going to need that, especially if he wants to have an Alex Smith-like year. Uh, and it all starts for him, like, as long as he's healthy and his teammates are healthy because, I mean, George Kittle is his favorite target, and he's the second, he's, I mean, behind Travis Kelsey, he's the best tight end in the NFL. Uh, there, make no mistake about it. There, there's no, there's only one other guy better than him when he's healthy. He's a stud. He's fast. He plays so athletic for a tight end. Uh, I like George Kittle a lot. And there, it's not just Kittle anymore. I mean, they have high hopes for the second-year player Brandon Ayuk, who really heated up in the last five games last season. 32 grabs, including the insane game against the Cowboys, three catching touchdowns, and did a lot running the ball. I think he had three total touchdowns against the Cowboys if you include a rushing touchdown. Uh, and they also have Debo Samuel, another player that they like to use on their own and do a lot of trickery with. I mean, Kyle Shanahan's an offensive genius. He's going to like to use these two guys in you know, bubble screens, deep passes, end-arounds, jet sweeps. Uh, I mean, like, Kyle Shanahan's offense is really 
really nice. Uh, I like Kyle Shannon as a head coach. He's great. I mean, last year he was dealt a shitty hand with all the injuries they had. Uh, and plus, the weapons, they're sort of fit what Kyle Shanahan's scheme is. And they just get Mohamed Sanu, a consistent veteran in this league for a long time. And now the backfield, they have Mr. Four Touchdowns in the NFC Championship game, Raheem Moster coming back. He only played half a season last year. You know, he much like the Niners have always done, it's not going to be him being the featured back, but he's going to be with rookie Trey Sermon. And we know Trey Sermon, from my Buckeyes, was an absolute fucking beast last year down the stretch. Carried the team against Northwestern. Uh, had the fantastic game against Clemson as well. Obviously got hurt in the championship game early on, which sucked. But he had that three-game stretch uh, where he was just, I mean, as good as any running back there is. Uh, so I think the two of them, this will be a solid two-headed monster. The 49ers will once again have one of the NFL's top running games. Uh, they're just, it, it's really nice. And also helps that they have this offensive line. I mean, Trent Williams, he was such a great acquisition for the team last offseason. You know, there was the whole drama with him and the Washington football team, but he was back and he was awesome for them. Uh, even so, like, you know, Alex Mack at center, he's an experienced veteran. Lakin Tomlinson has been really good since coming over from Detroit. This is a damn good team. And not to mention this defense getting a lot of guys back, especially my guy, another former Buckeye, Nick Bosa. I mean, I, the reason I talk about these former Buckeyes, we tend to kick ass in the NFL. What can I say? Uh, after Terry's ACL in Week 2, uh, he's back. He's primed to be one of the biggest comeback player of the year candidates. And he's the leader of this defensive line, but it's not just him. He is fellow dog, Eric Armstead, who's been one of the stalwarts of this 49ers offensive line for the last few seasons. Uh, they're hoping that last year's first runner, Javon Kinlaw, takes another step forward in his development. And they also have another guy in DJ Jones, who is a more than solid defensive tackle. At linebacker, they have a couple rising stars, especially Fred Warner, who was you know, made the NFL top 100 list this year. An absolute stud. Pro bowler for the 49ers. I mean, this way, this team, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, uh, you know, Alden Smith, although he's a pass rusher, Amon Brooks, they just find ways to continuously churn out all these great edge rushers, all these great linebackers. It truly is just insane. Some of them being very underrated guys, much like Fred Warner was. Uh, I am worried on the defense about the secondary. The corner position is weak. They have Jason Verrett back there, but he's also just like, he's like an injury waiting to happen. Uh, Jimmy Ward's there who makes some athletic plays, so you're, this is a theme that you're going to see come up with some of the, uh, another team in the NFC West in a little bit, because this front seven is as good as any in football. You know, it's not a bad secondary, but it's not great. It's going to take pressure off them from being great. They've been a top 10 defense the last two seasons, even with all the injuries last year. They still have one of the best offensive lines. They have a hungry quarterback in Jimmy G. I, I'm really high on the Niners this year. You know, every year there's that team that goes from worst to first, and I think there's a good chance it's the Niners this year. So, looking at their schedule, I have them. I actually have them losing Week One to the Lions. I think the Dan Campbell era gets off to a fast, hungry start. But then I see them actually winning their next five games at Philly, at home against the Packers. For some reason, Rodgers always struggles when he goes there. At home against Seattle, at Arizona. Then a bye week win against the Colts. I think that they're going to go in the Soldier Field and have a bit of a struggle there. So then they lose that game. They fall to 5-2. and two. I think they lose at home to the Cardinals, go to 5-3. and three. But then I think a stretch 
home against the Rams at Jacksonville. At the, I mean, at home against the Vikings, that's an eight and three record. Lose at Seattle, they'll be eight and four. But then they're going to beat the Bengals, beat the Falcons, ten and four. Lose the Titans, ten and five, before winning their last two games against the Texans and the Rams. And this will be a twelve and five football team. And I think going from worst to first, like I said. On now, we talk about the Los Angeles Rams, who won ten games last year earning their wild card spot in the playoffs where they beat the Seattle Seahawks and they beat and this was despite a less than healthy Jared Goff and Goff was pretty inconsistent all year and this team still made the playoffs uh, part of this was because of that defense which I'm going to get to later uh, so they decided to bring in Matt Stafford who's going to be the guy that they hope takes this offense to the next level and for years, Stafford was putting up good numbers in Detroit, but the team around him was consistently dog shit. He made just three playoff appearances. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had some good weapons there. He obviously had Calvin fucking Johnson, a Hall of Famer, made it first ballot, which I'm glad. He had Marvin Jones, who was a solid, you know, not a game changer receiver, but a solid receiver. Kenny Galladay, who went healthy, was very impactful for this team. Golden Tate. So he had the weapons. But consistently, the defense, the running game, the offensive line, the coaching was just never up to par, and the Lions were never won a playoff game in his career. Uh, but now Stafford, he's going to offense where I think he could thrive. Uh, some of Stafford, you know, Sean McVay loves play-action passes. Some of his best action came off the play-action. Uh, some of Stafford's best action comes off the play-action pass. And, yeah, that's the, the McVay offense, and that's going to thrive. So they're hoping Stafford can utilize that play action and succeed. Uh, it's definitely going to be tougher, though. You know, the combination of Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle is not as scary as a run game as a healthy Cam Akers would have been uh, had he not torn his ACL during camp. Uh, so, you know, it, it might not be as much of, an, of, of a great play action game. When that play action's working, building that chemistry with Cooper Cup and Robert Woods is... Is pretty good. And plus they have Deshaun Jackson with Stafford's arm. They can have a lot of fun. Now people are very high on the on the Rams this year. And people think that Stafford's really going to change this team around and turn them into a Super Bowl contender. I still have my worries about the Rams. I, I mean Stafford is a much better quarterback than Jared Goff was. And, like, if Jared Goff could leave the scene of the playoffs the way he played last year, Stafford should be able to. But also, this offensive line, it's getting older now. Andrew Whitworth is 39. He's going to be 40 in December next year. And he's coming off a serious injury. It's hard to expect a guy that old coming off a 20 ACL to be back to form and being the guy who he, who he was just this past season. Uh, plus, Stafford, you know, one of the things that hindered him a lot in Detroit was lack of a running game. Now, the Rams tend to usually have a great running game, but, again, the combination of Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michel, I'm not sure how scary that's going to be, especially with that weakened offensive line. Uh, you know, Stafford's not going to be bad. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be worth giving up uh, all they gave up for him, but uh, I still think Stafford's good enough to get this Rams team at least into the postseason. I'm curious to see how he looks in this offense because it'll be the best offense he's played in his career, no doubt. It's just, I mean, Sean McVay offense is that, that efficient. Y even if... Uh, the line isn't as great as it is, or the running backs aren't as great as it could have been had he had Todd Gurley in his prime. Like, this team is just also really, really, really well coached. I mean, Sean McVay is a top t top 10, if not a top 5 coach in all of the NFL right now. 
the story, though, as I mentioned, it's the defensive side of the football. Uh, two of the best defenders in football are on this team, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, Aaron Donald's just a fucking freak of nature. I mean, three defensive players of the year already. There's no defender in football who disrupts the game like he does. He can get after the quarterback so hard to block inside, a sack machine. But he's not just that. You try running it against a big Aaron Donald, he's there to pick you up and bring you to the motherfucking ground. This dude is a fucking unit. You, you don't want to go up against Aaron Donald, trust me. I mean, he literally, him alone makes this Rams defense that much better. It, it, it's not a deep defense. I mean, look, it has him, who's a fucking star. Jalen Ramsey, the best cornerback in football. So, when you have the best player on defense... And you have the best cornerback in football, especially the arguably the most important position on defense. You have uh, you're, you're going to mask a lot of the holes on the defense. And look, there's still some talent there. Don't get me wrong, because I mean Jalen Ramsey, you know. Also with Aaron Donald there, it just you know he makes quarterbacks have to get the ball out of their hands quicker, and it just means you know Jalen Ramsey is just more time. You know, it means there's less time for people to try to figure out how to beat Jalen Ramsey. Uh, there's Leonard Floyd. I mean, Leonard Floyd had ten and a half sacks last year. Had a promising rookie year. Then his career with the Bears sort of went south for a little bit before last season. Getting back to form with that, those ten and a half sacks. Uh, potential Pro Bowl candidate last year. Uh, and even Jordan Fuller, the sixth round pick. Shocker, another Buckeye. We, I've talked about Jordan Fuller on this podcast before. He showed a lot of promise as a sixth rounder last year, including picking off Tom Brady twice look again the pieces are there there's some pieces but this defense is led by two superstars i mean those the key to that defense is those guys staying healthy because those two guys mask the rest of the mask the rest of the defense which again really is not as deep as one might think but i do like this rams team even if i worry about the offense uh because, you know, I mean, the one thing is people are saying, oh, Rams Super Bowl contender now with Stafford. They're acting like Stafford's a top five QB. Stafford's not a top five QB. I believe he is one of the better QBs in the NFL and a good starter, but not top five. Anyways, looking ahead at their schedule, I have them beating the Bears week one in L.A. with the fans, losing at the Colts in week two, but then beating the Bucks and the Cardinals at home, uh, losing at Seattle, then going to New York, beating the Giants, Beating the Lions, going to Houston and winning, beating the Titans at home. So that's a four-game winning streak and has them at seven and two through nine games before they lose to the Niners and Packers in back-to-back weeks. So they'll be seven and four. Then I have a three-game winning streak at home against the Jags, at Arizona, at home against Seattle, and now all of a sudden this team through 14 games is 10 and four. Then I think they actually get upset at Minnesota and it's surprising Minnesota actually beats a good team, fall to 10 and five. They go into Baltimore, and they win that game. That's right. I think Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, just that Rams defensive style, is going to be way too difficult for the Rams. They'll be 11-5. and So, yeah, that game against the Niners, they'll both be 11-5 and entering the final week. And I have the Niners taking that, going to 12-5, and while the Rams go to 11-6, and uh, get in the wild card spot. Uh, there, there might be some struggles along the way. Uh, Seattle now. And then last year, Seattle, they won the NFC West, but then they lost to this Rams team that was led by that injured Jared Goff. You know, Russell Wilson, the numbers on paper, a beast. 40 touchdowns, really carrying the offense. It was pro line play. Although, you know, for as good as those numbers are, some of those games, Russell Wilson had like four or five touchdown games because he's that good. 
but also we saw games where the poor offensive line really impacted Seattle and hindered the offense. There were some games where the offense just looked completely lost, including all three games against the Rams. And honestly, the O-line is still not really good. Uh, it's even not that good of a roster, if I'm being honest, outside of a few superstars. But those superstars are fucking superstars, including Russell Wilson. And the dude's never had a losing season in his career. It's hard to bet against him and hard to bet on Seattle being a good te- being a bad team. You know, I mentioned their superstars. He has the superstar wide receiver duo, arguably the best in football, of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They both had over 1,000 yards last year, uh, 10 touchdowns. I mean, DK really grew into his own in his second year. Lockett is just a consistent Mr. Reliable hand, is always there. Uh, can really do it all. You know, Wilson, Russell Wilson scrambling, needs to find that short guy on third down, uh, wants to run a bubble screen, or when he just chokes up some, some deep bullshit, Tyler Lockett catches it. You know, behind those two, though, there's not really much depth, but I feel like that's been the case for... A few seasons now. Because Russell Wilson, he always manages to pull something out of, like, like some random receiver out of his ass, whether it's David Moore, Jeremy Curse, uh, that guy who went off on the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They also have Chris Carson at running back. Uh, the defense, though, it sucks. You know, it had that good five-game stretch last year, but that was all really versus the bad teams. You know, outside of... Uh, Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. There's too much to be excited about. So this Seahawks roster, it has a lot of holes. You know, the, the defense, there's not great players on the defense anymore. You know, it was one of football's weaker defenses last year. The offensive line really, really hurt the offense a lot of times last year. There's not much depth behind DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But at the same time, they have Russell freaking Wilson. And it, it's just too hard to pick against him. They could literally have the Jets roster of last year, the Jaguars roster of last year. But I would still think that Russell Wilson and that team would have a winning record. The dude's never had a losing season since entering the NFL. And I'm not about to pick, pick against and have a losing season now. Uh, the NFC is stacked. And, you know, I don't know if Seattle's a true Super Bowl contender with all their holes. But this team, they're just, they always, they're always in it. And they're going to be in it once again this year. And when I say in it, I mean in contention. Because looking ahead, you know, they might not make the playoffs. Uh, let's go through their schedule. So I have them winning week one in Indianapolis, actually. Then I have them losing the next three games. I think they're going to lose a home to Tennessee, even though I think their home field advantage is great. I think Tennessee is just going to pound the rock. That Derrick Henry is going to wear this team out, wear that defense out. They're going to lose at Minnesota, lose at San Francisco. So this will be a, a slow 1-3 and three start. But then they'll win at home against the Rams, lose to Pittsburgh, and they'll be sitting at 2-4. and four. But then I think a winning streak happens. At home against the Saints, at home against the Jaguars, coming off a of bye week at Green Bay, uh, at home against Arizona. So, you know, from 2-4, and four, that four-game winning streak puts them at 6-4. and four Before, I think they lose at Washington, because I think the Washington's defensive line is just going to be a mismatch against their O-line. Before, wins at home against the Niners, at Houston to go to 8-5. and five. Then I think they're going to lose... At the Rams, you go to eight and six. Win at win against Chicago. Win against the Lions. They're ten and six. But then I think they actually lose weeks week eighteen to the Cardinals, and they go ten and seven. And they might just be out of the postseason with a ten and seven record, based on what I'm looking at. But that's more of a breakdown for Tuesday's episode. Uh, lastly, now the Arizona Cardinals. 
I mean, last year they got off to that six and three start. The offense looking incredible. Uh, they had one of the best finishes you'll ever see. The DeAndre Hopkins hail mary touchdown. That's what got them the six and three. And people were like, "This is a magical season for the Cardinals." But after that, they went just two and five over their last seven games. Kyler Murray really entered a huge slump uh, down the stretch, and I like Kyler. But Kyler Murray is definitely a bit overrated. He struggles with his completion percentage. You know, when the pressure breaks down, he's not the best. I mean, he, he makes some great fucking athletic plays. Don't get me wrong. But he also at times just struggles when the pressure around him breaks down. Uh, you know, could be a product, you know. But it also, like, is the Kingsbury offense not working out? Is that why it's getting stagnant at times? And then they also have wide receivers galore. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler had a great connection last season. Uh, they sign A.J. Green. They draft Rondell Moore to add to that wide receiver core. And Rondell Moore, he, he's you know one of the many young receivers on this team, along with Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella. I mean, Christian Kirk has flashed big playability a lot in the past before. And Andy Isabella even has had some good plays last season. So it's pretty good weapons. And, you know, I would love to have – I wish Larry Fitzgerald was back, but he seems like he's pretty content and he's done playing football. I mean, that's what came out a few weeks ago. Uh, actually, about a week ago. About a week ago. <laughs> and then on running back, though, that's one of their weaker positions. And it's weird because, you know, these key, these dual-threat QBs, these option-style running QBs, they tend to like to have a running back who's elite and that they can, you know, shoot the defense, keep the defense off their feet more. The running combination of Chase Edmonds and James Conner, I don't really think is scaring many defenses especially behind that weak offensive line. And the offensive line, much like Seattle, can be really be what holds this team back. <coughs> the Cardinals, though, the Cardinals, though, have one of the NFL's most underrated defenses. There's a ton of athletes on this team. Buda Baker, last year's first-round pick, Isaiah Simmons, who people are expecting to take a huge leap this year. Chandler Jones, who, despite the trade rumors, is back. J.J. Watt, who was signed in the offseason. Uh, rookies of N. Collins. Jalen Phillips. Marcus Golden, who they got, who was a beast for the Giants a couple seasons ago. They're, it's a very underrated defense with a lot of good pieces. Uh, secondary, that's definitely an issue. But that, that front seven is very, very elite. And it can make uh, life tough on other quarterbacks. But man, outside of Buda Baker, that secondary has a lot of... A lot of problems that could really end up making making this defense not reach its full potential. I mean, but J.J. Watt, pairing him and Chandler Jones, good luck if you're a quarterback sleeping at night, especially if you have a weak offensive line. They're excited to see what rookies of Ben Collins can do next to Isaiah Simmons, who I really think is going to have a big season. This dude was something else coming out of college. But when you see Byron Murphy and Tay Gowan and your wide receiver, you're licking your chops. That front seven is going to have to really put the pressure on the quarterback. They're going to have a chance of pulling off upsets and being a good team because the secondary is just not going to get it done. Uh, and again, just the, the defense, the ceiling though was incredibly high, as is the offense. But there's also like, the way the secondary holds back the defense, the offensive line, and the running game is, I think, going to hold back this offense, especially when Kyler Murray can't rely on a running game to throw defenses off guard on an option play. This is going to be a good team. You know, Murray's going to make some plays. I think that, I think they have a lot of talent. They're going to be competitive week in and week out. I and mean, just even looking at their schedule, uh, they start week one 
I have them losing at Tennessee, but then they're going to win at home against Minnesota, win at Jacksonville. I think their schedule will be a bit tougher here. So after a 2-1 start at L.A., at home against the Niners, at Cleveland, three-game losing streak, they fall to 2-4. and four. Before they beat the Texans, they go to 3-4. and four. Lose to the Packers, so they'll be 3-5. and five. But then I think that they beat the Niners, Carolina, to go to 5-5. Five and five. Before a loss at Seattle puts them at 5-6, and six, going to the bye week. And I think coming off the bye week, they actually struggle against Chicago. I think they lose again to the Rams. And I think that Dan Campbell actually motivates the guys for the Cardinals game. So this will be, you know, they got the 5-5. Five and five, But I think from there, they lose four in a row to go to 5-9. and nine. Then I actually haven't won their last three games against the Colts, Cowboys, and Seahawks to go to 8-9. and nine. So they'll be finishing last in the division. And overall, to recap the division, I have the Niners going from worst to first. You know, again, their key guys back. I think Jimmy G's due for a resurgent year, and they go to be 12 and 5 winning this division. The Rams, they begin the Matthew Stafford era, similar to how they were last year. Uh, again, a nasty defense, but I am going to worry about the running game without Cam Akers, especially behind that aging offensive line. I still see them, though, going 11 and 6. And the Seahawks, they have a tough schedule, but again, I love them at home for most of the season. Their home field advantage is tough for anybody to play. They're going to get exposed with the holes they have, and they have a lot of holes, as I talked about. But it's Russell Wilson. I'm not going against Russell Wilson. Ten and seven. And then the Cardinals. I think they're going to. Sh- I think they're going to show promise. They have that high ceiling with everything on offense and defense. But I think they. St- I think their holes and the way the rest of the division is, it's going to just be a little harder for them, especially because offensive line and secondary are two of football's most important positions. They're not going to reach the full potential. I think they might just stagger the rest of the way and finish the season just 8-9. and nine. Uh, But, yeah, so that's it for the NFC West. Let's move on now and talk the AFC West, starting with the Kansas City Chiefs. And what the hell is there not to love about this team? They have the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl appearance in his first three starts. It's just insane. And, look, I love these AFC teams. I really love the Browns and what they have, especially with that dynamic running game. I really love the Bills and Josh Allen. I really love the Titans, Derrick Henry, and now their receivers. But I just don't see any of these teams being better than the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs already have the weapons galore. It's Travis Kelsey, just not a human of a tight end. Literally puts up wide receiver numbers. The dynamic speed serves of Nicole Hardman. Tyree Kill, and it's also running backs. Second-year player, Clyde edwards Delaire, who's going to even step up more as a second-year pro. He showed a lot of potential last year. Darrell Williams, who's always been a consistent, reliable number two back for this team since Mahomes and Reed have been there. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, who, even though he's been hurt the last couple years, is a pass catcher. And that's what Kansas City loves out of their running backs, pass-catching running backs. The biggest weakness for the Chiefs last year was the offensive line, which we saw really... Ruined them in the Super Bowl. A big reason was a lot of their guys were injured, but still was not a strong offensive line. So they decided to go in the offseason and invest a ton in the offensive line. They traded for Orlando Brown Jr., one of, considered to be one of the best tackles in football from the Baltimore Ravens. They signed Joe Tooney from the Patriots, was an all-pro guard in 2019, and they draft Alabama center Creed Humphrey, who is the highest-rated center in the NFL draft. And Alabama, they just one of those schools that churns that offensive line. So they knew. They knew the offensive line was not good last year, and they knew they had to fix that around because Pat Mahomes is consistently on the run, scrambling out of the pocket because the protection around him is breaking down. But now you give him better protection, 
even more time in the pocket. Like, it's just going to make, make Mahomes that much scarier and that much more tough to stop than he already is. Even He can have the worst offensive line in football, but he's already pretty much impossible to stop. And now with a good offensive line, you have to be fucking kidding me. The best line he's ever had with those wide receiver weapons he has, it's just insane. The defense has its holes, don't get me wrong. There's Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who are, good def- who are a good pass rushing combination to have on this team. Uh, the secondary, you know, Tredavious Warren, he's gotten better every year, but he's not great. And they have the Honey Badger. So that the be- And also with how good this offense is, teams are going to need to keep up with them. So they're going to be in shootouts, and teams are going to have to try to keep pace with Mahomes and this offense. Uh, look, I mean, there's not much to talk about. There's not, not much to break down with this team because they're just that fucking great. And I'm, I'm going to go through their schedule. So I think they're going to get off to an incredible hot start, winning their first eight games, winning their first nine games of the season against the Browns, Ravens, Chargers, Eagles, Bills, football team, Titans, Giants, Packers. I think like last year, they actually get upset by Vegas, and that will be their first loss of the season. Have them beating Dallas, bye week, beat Denver, beat the Raiders at home. Then I think they actually lose at Los Angeles, lose at home against Pittsburgh, and just somewhat of an upset. Going to Cincy and win. I think by then, they're the one seed, and they have it locked up. They sit their starters and <coughs> lose against the Broncos in Week 18, and they finish the season 13 and four, winning the AFC West and getting that one seed. Moving on now, we talk about the Denver Broncos, who had a rough year last year. They were just five and eleven. They're discovering Drew Locke's not the quarterback of the future. So they go out, they get Teddy Bridgewater, reuniting him with his former offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, from Minnesota. And look, the Broncos offense has some exciting potential next year. Teddy B, although he wasn't great, was a good, efficient game manager in Pat Shermer's offense in Minnesota. And he has some good weapons around him. Noah Fant was one of the more underrated tight ends in football last year. It was a consistent target for Drew Locke. Uh, Cortland Sutton had a breakout year in 2019. Unfortunately for him, he got injured in a week two of last season, missed all last year after the injury. And Jerry and first-round pick Jerry Judy, many, and many had to take on a bigger role in the offense. And, yeah, maybe he wasn't ready for that. But he also saw, though, Judy struggled a lot with his drops. He got open a ton, but dropped the ball a lot. He did make, though, a, a lot of big plays, including a 92-yard touchdown. Add in bet, uh, Tim Patrick, who... Ended up being a pretty solid guy for them last year. Uh, another second-year player, K.J. Hamler, who they love, was their second-round pick last season. This team is really stacking up receivers for their quarterback, Trot, Teddy Bridgewater. They have a di- it's interesting two-headed combat running back. It's a sneaky good offense. Again, like, Fant was an underrated tight end in football last year. One of the better guys, if you want him in fantasy, did a pretty good job. Uh Maybe with Jerry Judy not being the number one receiver, not seeing number one corners, it allows him to get even better now because he'll have Cortland Sutton on the opposite side of him. <coughs> but he's also going to have to get better at catching the football. Uh, I'm excited, though, for this team. And look, we know Teddy B is not a fucking game-changing quarterback, uh, but he has the weapons. He has the decent running game behind him. They're expecting Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams to be that two-headed monster and, you know, split carries, none of them really being the guy, but... Both of them still playing a good role in this offense regardless. But I'm excited to see what this team has on defense. The defense is where this team is loaded and it excels. And if you know football, you know Vic Fangio is one of the def- as a defensive fucking wizard. 
You know, the last couple of years, the Broncos have been robbed of their dynamic pass rushing duo. Chubb went down with a season-ending injury in 2019. Von Miller <coughs> tore his Achilles in training camp last year. You know, actually, that was during my NFL preview show last season. I had Von Miller winning Defensive Player of the Year. I literally had it in my notes. And I find out, and he tears his Achilles in the middle of recording. And I was like, uh, Nick Bosa? And then he tears his ACL week too. So my Defensive Player of the Year uh, picks tend not to work out so great. Uh, and look, this team, though, they're defense first. It's not just these guys. They have a sick secondary. Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, Justin Simmons, and Kareem Jackson. It's as good as it gets. And I'm extremely high on the rookie first-round pick, Patrick Sertain. This is a dude who I think is a fucking stud. But a shutdown corner at Alabama. You know, he's probably not going to be that shutdown corner right away as he enters the NFL. But he is going to be playing a pretty big role in this offense. He's going to, in this defense, excuse me, a, a, starting off as a number three corner. I love what this team has on defense. Uh, like I said, Draymond Jones up front. They have, they they stole Jamar Johnson, one of the biggest day three steals. The kid out of Indiana had a breakout year, senior year. Uh, the defense has a ton of talent on them. It's a defense first team. Guys who are going to fucking eat. And look, even though Teddy B's not the game-changing quarterback, he's still a good game manager. <laughs> He won a lot of games in Minnesota, and he'll be uh, successful in this offense. I think Jerry Judy takes that year two leap. I mean, I really thought last year Judy was that guy who was going to do, do what Justin Jefferson did. I thought Judy was actually going to do that last season. I was extremely, extremely high on him. Uh, but I think there's going to be a great year two leap, especially you know with Fant, KJ Hamler, who I think is going to contribute as well. Uh, so looking ahead at their schedule, I think they they win. They st- they're actually going to lose to the Giants week one before they – Beat the Jaguars and the Jets to go to two and one. They're gonna lose at home against the Ravens. They'll be two and two. Lose at Pittsburgh to go to two and three. I think this is gonna be like a very win lose season because then they'll beat the Raiders three and three, lose to the Browns three and four, beat the football team four and four, lose to Dallas four and five, beat Philly five and five, beat the Chargers coming off a of bye week six and five, lose to the Chiefs six and seven, beat the Lions seven and six, lose to the Bengals in surprising fashion seven and seven. Beat the beat Vegas eight and seven, lose the Chargers eight and eight, and then beat the Chiefs nine and nine when the Chiefs rest rest their starters. So nine and eight, interesting pick for the Broncos. Really curious to see how this team does next year and the steps forward they continue to take because the offense is there, the team is there, uh, the defense is fucking loaded. I'm really really excited to see how this team performs next season. Uh, moving on now. The Los Angeles Chargers, the other team in Los Angeles, who had a breakout season from rookie quarterback Justin Herbert last season. One of the it, probably the best rookie season ever by a quarterback. However, they found, they just in typical Chargers fashion, they found ways to they found ways to lose games. A big part of that, Anthony Lynn just having no idea how to manage a clock. One of the worst leaky managers in all of football. Uh, and you know they just the way they lost games the last two seasons was fucking incredible and humorous. Uh, now their head coach is Brandon Staley, and I'm excited to see what Herbert does in year two. Yeah, I was a bit surprised to see the Chargers fire their offensive coordinator. I get they're bringing in a new coach, but Herbert was so successful in that system. Sometimes with a young quarterback, you don't want them learning a second system uh, in two years. But I think with Herbert, that doesn't matter. 
The way he looked last year, he looked nothing like a rookie quarterback. He looked like a seasoned veteran. I don't think I don't, I don't think he's gonna be impacted at all by the change in offensive coordinators. I'm so excited to see what he does as a, as an encore. I'm extremely high on him this year. I think now that the Chargers have Anthony Lynn out of there, they have a good head coach in Brandon Staley, who's gonna be able to use the pieces of that defense, the Derwin James if he stays healthy, the Joey Bosa's, and turn this Chargers into an athletic team. I think right now they're the they're the surprise team of the season. I am very high on this Chargers team last year. Had they not charged it up the last two seasons, they probably would have been in the playoffs. Yeah, with Anthony Lynn out, I, they don't they don't find a way to lose the games that they found ways to lose last year, and I. Just cannot wait to see what this Chargers team does this season. I uh, have them start, like, uh, the team they invested also in the offensive line as well. That was the weakest point of their offense last year for Justin Herbert. They signed Corey Lindsley, who was a first-team All-Pro center a season ago. And they draft Rashawn Slater at 13. This was a guy who some people had him rated higher than Panay Sewell on their draft boards. I really wanted the Giants to take him at 13, personally. Uh, they are at 12. You know, they didn't, and they traded back instead. But Rashawn Slater is a fucking stud. They really are building up that line around Herbert, and having protection for him is going to be massive. Plus, they have a ton, a ton of talent on the defense. The thing is, though, that defense is injury-prone. You know, I mentioned Duran Jingles. If he can stay healthy, the dude's a freak. He's one of football's best safeties. I don't think anybody's going to doubt that when he's healthy. But he hasn't been healthy in his NFL career Joey Bosa hasn't had the injury issues Derwin James has had, but he has been a bit injury-prone in his career as well. He's one of the more impactful defensive ends in football as well when he's healthy. He's an absolute stud. You know, <coughs> having those two guys on defense makes an impact that an Aaron Donald and a Jalen Ramsey-type player make. They're both just that good. Uh, and they also have young guys. Yeah. Uh, 2019 first-round pick Jerry Tillery. They're hoping he can grow and be the guy at defensive tackle they want him to be. And they're excited to see what Kenneth Murray can do last season. He had over 100 tackles last year as a rookie. He was a star at Oklahoma. And, you know, he was learning the NFL game last season, but he wasn't a bad linebacker last year. He, uh, you know, if they can, uh, you know, that'd be a good trio to have among up front. Joey Bosa, uh, Dur- just a whole like, quartet of guys. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, uh, uh, Kenneth Murray, and then pro bowler Chris Harris, who's been a consistent pro bowl corner in his career. He was limited just nine games last year. You know, the number two cornerback is a question mark. The hope is the rookie Asante Samuel Jr. could eventually slot in there. I love Asante Samuel Jr. He was great at Florida State. His father was a beast. I think he's going to make an impact for this Chargers team right away. You know, he has to move up on the depth chart first. But like I said, I'm super high on this team. I like the pieces they have on defense. The biggest thing for them is staying healthy. You know, uh, they they don't have de- they they don't have the biggest depth of weapons, but it didn't seem to have fed Herbert last year. They replaced Hunter Henry with Jared Cook, which will probably be similar production. They have Keenan Allen, who just is a stud. Mike Williams, who's a stud, and Austin Eckler, and Mister Do It All at running back. Uh, so I'm looking at this Chargers schedule right now. I have them losing Week One at Washington. I have them beating the Cowboys in Week Two, losing at Kansas City Week Three. So they'll be one and two. But then I look ahead. I see games at home against Vegas and the Browns, a game at Baltimore, but I think that they actually win, a game at home against the Patriots coming off a of bye week, and a game at Philadelphia. I see that being five consecutive wins in a row, going to 6-2 and two before they drop a game at home against the Vikings and they're 6-3. and three. Having beaten the Steelers, they go to 7-3. and three. Then I have them losing games against the Broncos coming off a of bye week and getting upset by Joey Burrow, who's going to want to prove 
you know, a little edge that, hey, I'm the best rookie quarterback from this draft. So they'll be 7-5. and five. But then I look, I see the Giants. I think they upset Kansas City. I see the Texans. I see the Broncos at home. I see Vegas on the road. I think they win all five of those games, end the season on a five-game winning streak, go 12-5, and five, earning one of those wildcard spots. The Chargers are due for a breakout season, folks. Last but not least, the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, this team was surprisingly competitive last season. They started 6-3, and three, but much like the Cardinals, they slumped and finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, There was a 1-5 stretch that really could have been an 0-6 stretch had that not been for Greg Williams blitzing the hell out of Derek Carr in the final play of that game. Uh, You know, they're back. There's excitement. That's their first year with fans now in Vegas. Teams are excited to finally watch their team play. Uh, But Vegas fans, let me tell you, I know you're excited your first year to be able to watch your team play at the stadium. It's not going to be a good season for you guys, in my opinion. Uh, John Gruden... First off, I just don't think he's a good, that good of a head coach. I never really understood the hire to begin with. I think that his coaching style is not really fit for today's NFL. And I just don't like this Raiders offense. I mean, Derek Carr, it seems like since Gruden has arrived, has been rumored to be on the verge of being traded or, or whatnot. Yeah, it seems like every year, but he's still there. Uh, you know, the wide receiver room, Henry Ruggs struggled a lot as a rookie last year. They need him to try to take a big leap in his second year. Uh, but he was more of just, yeah, ran a straight line most of last year. They have Darren Waller, who's a good tight end, but the offensive line is weak. And you have, you know, Josh Jacobs at running back. He's a good running back, but with the signing of Kenyon Drake, and even last year, it signals that the Raiders don't really want to use him as their main feature back, which, why would you spend a first-round pick on him if that's the case, as we've seen Gruden with a lot of questionable first-round picks. And, like, look, Gruden traded away Amari Cooper, traded away Khalil Mack, has not been the best head coach for this team. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to have a good year at all. Like, I do not. like It's Darren Waller. Josh Jacobs is fine. I don't love the defense at all. I don't love this offensive line. And, like, look, I'm just here to shit on the Raiders. I really am not in the mood to break down their team. Uh, like, looking ahead of their schedule, I have them. I think they're going to actually win week one against Baltimore. First game, one-on-one. Win week two against the Dolphins, two-on-one. Lose week, th- week four against the Chargers, two-and-two. I think they're going to actually beat the Bears, so they'll be three and two. They'll lose three games in a row, three and five. Beat Kansas City four and five. I think from there they lose the rest of their games, finish four and thirteen. Uh, so to recap, the AFC West, Kansas City, they're going to continue their NFL dominance. They'll be thirteen to four, win the division. The Chargers, Herbert takes an even bigger leap in year two. They're my surprise breakout team of the year. They're going to go twelve and five. And the Broncos are a pretty good year. We see potential from their offense. We see their loaded defense doing some things. I don't think that, they, that Teddy Bridgewater is enough of a difference maker to put this team over the top. But I think they'll still go 9-8. and eight, And the Raiders are going to suck to a 4-13 season. And that's it. That's NFL team previews. Uh, next week, we're going to come back. I'm going to talk awards, Super Bowl, playoff picks. Sort of break down what I said for each team. But yeah, that's it. Uh, everybody, thank again for supporting the podcast thus far. Listen, <coughs> listen to all my NFL previews this week. Remember, go follow the Birds Eye View podcast on Instagram, on Spotify, on Apple Music. Go follow Jay Birds Eye View on Twitter for all my latest live reactions to games. Thank you, everybody, and have a great rest of your day.